Hello, welcome to Locked In. You are in the dining room studio with Dave. It's Monday night. I've got the house to myself. I'm here. I'm in my underwear. It's amazing. I get to do two podcasts. <laughs> I might actually, maybe we'll just wrap it all into one big one. I don't know. I don't know. I think when I listen to them, I think I prefer the longer ones. Maybe that's because I'm, I'm always driving. So I don't mind the 30 odd minute ones. So we'll see how we go. See if we can get through this thing. One take, one take operation that we are. So I want to talk about three things tonight. I want to touch on what I tweeted out yesterday about Matty Round, number one draft pick. We'll talk a little bit about my structure and basically how I, where I've kind of landed as of as of today. And then we'll talk a little bit about points of difference and how points of difference don't actually have to be people you select, but people you don't select. And we'll touch on a little bit about trading and uh, strategy a little bit later. So on Matt Rao, I, I did a little bit of digging and put a tweet out sort of yesterday talking about the history of the number one draft pick and sort of getting trying to get people thinking about is Matt Rao really... What we're go- is he going to deliver what we expect of him? And I think he unfortunately is the victim of timing because he's coming in after Sam Walsh, who had an exceptional first year, arguably the best first year that that any player has had uh, coming out of out of a draft. And I think that's going to punish Matt Rowe because we the weight of expectation is now it's on him. He's already been compared and basically assume that he's going to deliver a similar season. And there's no doubt that he is a super talented kid. I'm not a massive TSC Cup fan. I, I don't follow the junior competitions with any sort of great interest aside from the knowledge of what we know is, is going to come in the next year for Supercoach. But he had some absolutely historic games and played on the biggest stages. He seemed to play his best footy. So... I don't think anybody's really concerned about how his approach, his mentality, the type of player that he is. I I just look back and think there have been 10 other guys that have come before him and only one has been able to do has has been able to put up that 80 plus average. So and looking back at Sam Walsh there's another sort of element to this and Maybe we'll touch on that now, and that's cash generation. So when I was digging through the data of number one draft picks and looking back at Scully and Swallow and Cogs and Whitfield and Kelly and Petrarca, who didn't play, and McGrath, Rayner, Walsh, Mills, I even put Oliver in there because he's another one that draws those comparisons. And Oliver, for the outstanding kid that he is, you remember he only put up a 70 in his first season. So... There's a whole lot that played into what Walsh was able to do last year. A lot of that is talent and work ethic and and who he is as a player. And there's a big chunk of it that is opportunity too. I mean, he was given free reign, basically. He was the second best midfielder at Carlton. And I think Matt Rouse may be walking into a similar type situation with Gold Coast, but there's certainly a lot more competition there than Carlton have. I know that sounds weird to say for a team that finished dead last last year but there are players that are going to be fighting him for midfield minutes there's players that they brought in uh, like Hugh Greenwood and Cam Alice Yolman there's players they've already got like Will Brody and Brandon Fiorini and Took Miller so there's certainly a lot more 
talent in that Gold Coast midfield than there was in Carlton. So I, as much as I think Rao is obviously going to play and he's going to get an opportunity, I would still expect him to maybe not get as greater opportunity as Sam Walsh got last year. Anyway, in terms of cash generation, if you pull out your pen, where do you think Sam Walsh ranked last year in terms of cash generation amongst all players? I mean, most people would have thought, you know, top five, maybe top 10 at least. He wasn't even in the top 15 and he just scraped into the top 20. He finished 19th in terms of cash generation. Now, obviously, you're not, people held on to him not so much for him to make money, but really because of the job security and the semi consistent scoring he offered. I mean, he had some really good games, but he also had some really terrible games. And the honest reality is that when he peaked at round seven, as hard as that would have been for people to do, that was the optimum time, optimal time to trade him out of your side because you would have made about 240-odd K, which would have put him in fifth, trading him at his peak. By holding him, you've probably ended up costing yourself points, myself included, and lost money. So... It's an interesting thing to dig into. I found it really fascinating because I wouldn't have put him at 19th. So I guess with all of that considered, with the history and with the opportunity and the team that Sam Walsh played in, what do we think Matt Rao is going to do next year? And Oh, sorry, next year, this year. And I'm super keen, obviously, to see him in the preseason and see how much opportunity he gets. But as for right now and how my team is structured, I am, I'm running pure guns and rookies. And when I say rookies, the only one I have over 135K is Nakai Crocker 2. And I can't really see that changing, but I'm obviously going to be interested to see what happens in, in the preseason. So all of that being said, that and that's not a knock on Sam Walsh. It's more the selection and... Uh, the comparison, because we really are romanticizing, I think, this Matt Rao pick. If he, if Sam Walsh hadn't have done what he did last year and that happened five years ago and it was uh, Caniglio, would Rao be in 58% of teams? I don't think so. There used to be this hard and fast rule that you never really, I don't think I ever, I've ever selected the number one pick up until last year. So, a lot of it comes down to what else is available. I think given what we potentially will have in the midfield, and I'm really hoping on, I'm really hanging my hat on uh, Pickett, obviously getting a game consistently, Luke Valenti, and I think, is it Devin? Devin Robertson, maybe from Brisbane, Ned McHenry from Adelaide, Ryan, um, Ryan I'm going to say it's Ryan Colley-Dawkins, or Jake Bytel for St Kilda. I'm hoping... There are enough of these guys that I don't have to pick Rao because it's not a risk that I want to carry because it's only going to take him to put up a 30 or a 40 to absolutely halt his cash generation and probably going to really lose you a week potentially. But hey, that's just me. A little bit risk averse when it comes to first round picks and, and Matt Rao. So that kind of carries me over to structure. And I'm as I sort of said, I... 
am running right now a pure guns and rookies structure. So I am not carrying any of Sam Doherty, Stephen Hill, Tom Doty, Dylan Robertson, Devin Smith, Jack Stephen. I have zero of them. I'm running basically in defense and forward line. I'm running three and three, three primos, three rookies. So basically I'm, I'm fielding at the moment nine rookies. Whether that's going to be feasible come round one, I'll be really interested to see. I think there's enough, and I think mainly the forward line offers that opportunity because of Cockatoo and Rankin. If they're both fit and playing, and Max King as well, I think there are enough defensive rookies to run three on the field. Obviously hoping... Whether it's Jared Brander, Jez McLennan, um, McLennan, yeah, Jez McLennan, um, Pina, I'm not even going to attempt to go for the first name. I can't remember. It's Jay, <laughs> uh, Pasini for Port Adelaide or Will Gould at Sydney. I'm hoping there are enough there, and I have that forward defensive flick that there's something I can do there, but. I'm really keen to run it because Guns and Rookies is where I've had my most success. Yeah, you're going to have those throw at the stumps with those mid-prices, but I think for me right now, I'm I'm really not interested in running a team that has two or three of these guys in it. Stephen Hill, a little bit less risk, but Doherty, Doty, Robertson, Smith, and Stephen. I think I even saw today Devin Smith, you know, he... Is up and about, happy where he's at. I'm happy to wait. And if that costs me a couple of points in the meantime, then so be it. I'm happy right now with Whitfield, Martin, and Dawson as my three in the forward line. Dawson's the only one really that I guess maybe qualifies as a mid-pricer because of his uh, 467k price tag. But I literally cannot afford anybody else. Uh, so maybe I'll run through my structure right now on my team, uh, which is Lloyd, Williams, Laird, and three rookies. I'm going, I'm really keen to go five super primos deep in the middle. I'm really, I just looking at what it's going to take to get to full primo at the end of the year, I'm not keen on trying to roll the dice with some of these mid-prices and maybe pick them up a little bit into the season, maybe after round three or before round three when prices change, depending on how we're going. But I know I've got 13 guys that will be in the top eight, top six to eight, and some of them will be the top scorers in their position. In the middle, I've got McRae, Kelly, Cripps, Dunkley, and Danger. And I'm really, I'm really keen not to change that. If something happens injury-wise, obviously, I'm really flexed that way. But those five guys, I am super keen on as per the mid-podcast from a few days ago. So I've got those five and then three rookies. I've got Grundy and Gorn. And then Whitfield, Martin, Dawson, uh, Cockatoo, Rankin, King. King, obviously, flex. And then basically, Whitfield, Martin, Dawson, and three rookies. So I've got, I'm fielding nine rookies. Seven if you don't count Cockatoo and Rankin uh, and Pickett as well. So we're really hoping that we can get sort of six or seven of these guys that that do score well. And historically, we can 
we do see some pretty reasonable numbers from rookies, even though we get pretty skeptical early in the year. The guys that I read out before, we always seem to pick up one or two. And whether that's, you know, a stack of Dersmer, Wilkie, Answorth, Gibbons, Myers, Constable, we'll pick up a couple. And I'm hoping that those 16 rookies that I'm able to select will generate enough cash. Because what I'm going to be, or what everyone is going to be faced with, and this is a nice smooth segue into the next part of this podcast, is the whole goal of Supercoach, the reason we're selecting players right now, now everybody knows this, but it's one of those good things to be reminded, is that your goal is to get to a full premium team as fast and as economically possible as is possible. (laughs) As fast and economically as you humanly can without burning trades and all et cetera, et cetera. So right now I have... And I'm counting Dawson as uh, whether that's an M, uh, whether that's an F five, F six, or a D six. I'm looking at him as the potential uh, that that guy to hold down that spot. And if it's not him, then I can easily go down to Greenwood if Greenwood uh, comes out of the blocks and looks like he's going to be that guy. So there's a little bit of flex there. So I'm holding one trade for him, but the other twelve guys. Barring a really long-term injury or some serious structural issues, which I don't think I'll have, I'm looking at 29 trades to upgrade my basically my nine on-field rookies, plus a couple for injury. So I think realistically, if you if I sort of hold on to 25 trades to basically upgrade my team, and I think I've got nine on-field rookies I need to upgrade that's at a minimum so if you're doing one down one up which i don't think we'll be able to do you might be able to do that once or twice depending on how many really super high scoring rookies we get if we get a couple that average in the 70s then that that would be amazing but 18 is the minimum i honestly think it will take one and a half or basically two and a half trades to get that upgrade each time so that basically puts me at 25 trades so really, you should be looking forward and looking at your team and thinking, who realistically am I looking at upgrading? Am I Do I have a whole bunch of these mid-price guys that maybe are going to earn me maybe 50, 60K and are going to score okay, but they're not going to be the top players in their position? I'm aiming, I want to have defense, midfield, forward. I want my lines... My six defenders need to be in the top eight to 10 defenders in the comp. Forwards, the same. Midfielders, I want the eight best midfielders. Maybe eight out of the best 10, maybe eight out of the best nine, but I need to, we need to nail that because that, that's where the majority of the points are going to come from. So the three upgrade targets in the midfield are probably, for me, are probably going to be... Uh, probably Fife, Neil, and then maybe Trullo, Oliver, one of those one of those two. So I'm really hoping I nail those five that I've picked already. And then it's about making sure that we're maximizing cash generation. So these first couple of rounds are really critical, especially, obviously, your initial selections. 
And I think there's going to be enough written. You're going to see enough content out there to pick your sort of 15, 16 rookies. And you're not going to get the right ones on the field. Like that, that's going to happen week to week. But the point is, even if you don't have them on your field, as long as you have them in your team earning you money, that is absolutely key right now. So round one is going to be important. I think the big one is obviously the lead up to round three and really making sure you have sort of the top eight to 10 guys based on their break-evens, get them in your team and get them earning cash for your team ASAP. So there's a little bit a little bit of everything in this podcast, a little bit of round one draft picks, a little bit of structure, a little bit of my team, a little bit of preparation for trades. I think a uh, shout out to, um, I'm going to dig him up now, but shout out to uh, a tweet I got from somebody talking about how it was great to have them talking about, uh, great to be talking about macro level stuff. Uh, Grant Pollard, hope I say that right, Grant. Uh, yeah, and that's 100%. It's, it's great to look at this micro stuff and look at individual players and talk about preseasons and forecasts and all that sort of stuff. But what is really important is this macro stuff. And basically, when you're picking your team now and you're flirting with ideas and changing things around to keep really front of mind, what is this team going to look like come round 18, 19 when you're looking to do your last couple of upgrades What's it going to look like? Have you got a good buy structure? Another thing that we'll probably dedicate maybe a podcast to in a week or so as we get closer to the season. But it's always good to keep that macro, maybe not right front of mind, but certainly when you're thinking about trades, you've only got 30. If you're looking at doing a whole lot of potential correction trades after round one because you've messed up and your mid-prices aren't performing and you're losing points you need to factor that in to how you're going to get to full premium by round. I would say you really want to be maybe one or two away coming out of the buys would be ideal. That would put you in a really good spot. So have a think about all that sort of stuff. Uh, and actually maybe, oh, let's keep going. I got a little bit of time. I wanted to talk uh, talk about pods. So maybe we'll jump into pods and then I'll, I'll do a little bit of summary at the end. So, Pods are a really interesting one because when you I look at my team, it's like, oh, you know, what points of difference do you have? And one thing I really wanted to point out was points of difference don't have to be players that you select. They can be players that you don't select. So my point of difference right now or my biggest ones are players that I don't have in my team. So we talked about one uh, straight off the bat, which is Matty Rao. He's in 59% of teams, not in mine. Hill, Stephen Hill, Frio, 53%. I don't have him. Doherty, 52%. I don't have him. Doty's in a third of teams. Dylan Robertson's in a quarter of teams. Fife's in 39% of teams. Neil's in 27. Bonner's in 22. I'm certainly leaving a little bit of flex for Raul and Bonner, but I'm not certainly not going to change based on, unless obviously an injury occurs, I'm not changing to Fife or Neil. Because I'm obviously super keen and happy with with Dunkley and Cali, which I won't go over again because I sort of talked about it <laughs> to death in that midfield podcast. But my points of difference are who I'm who I'm not putting in my team, and by going guns and rookies, it really 
it probably eliminates a little bit of the stress because the probability of my guns not performing is significantly lower than somebody like Devin Smith or Jack Stephen. So Devin Smith's in 48% of teams. I'd expect that to increase based on his comments the last week or so. He certainly looks like he's going to be playing in the midfield. I may end up caving and trading Dawson to Smith, which would give me enough money to get one of Matt Rowell or Aiden Bonner if that ended up that way. And I'm not I'm okay with that. I'm I'm okay with that because you need to be flexible based on what's in front of you. There's no point being a rigid dickhead, loving your team and loving your structure and not altering your team based on the opportunities that are given to you by the super coach gods. So when you think about pods, don't feel like you have to put guys in your team. Think about who's not in your team, and that can certainly be a pod. Because if Hill or Doherty or Doty or Robertson or Smith or Steven, if they break down, happy days from my perspective. Obviously horrible that they get injured, but that that's the risk you run when you, you're taking players coming back from serious long-term injuries or that have a really, really scattered injury history. And in terms of Raul, I think... I'm, as I sort of said earlier, I'm super happy to roll the dice on him and hope that he's putting up 30s, 40s, 50s in the first couple of rounds and, and validating the selection. I guess we'll see. Time will tell. Let's see what he does in the in the preseason competition and, and go from there, reassess. Bonner's the same, unknown quantity. Yep, super hype. How many times have we seen preseason players get super hype? He's a unit, he's ribs, he's tearing up the track, blah, 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 blah. And they come out and put up 50s. Happens all the time. So wait and see. But I right now, I think a great structure to run with, which pushes out all of that risk, is guns and rookies. And I think we'll get we'll be afforded that opportunity based on the rookies that are available and the senior players that are coming back. So that's that. Bit of pods, bit of draft pick round one. Uh, history and data, bit of my structure, bit of trading, bit of everything. Interesting one. I don't know what I'm going to name this one. It's the Sock Draw Podcast. A little bit of everything. You have a happy Monday evening. I hope uh, hope you have a good week. These weeks are getting tougher, man. I mean, we're in Feb and God, it's tough going to work. It really is sometimes. It uh, doesn't matter how good your job is. I I don't know what I'm going to talk about next. Uh, who knows? We'll come back. I'll think of something. And uh, certainly want to touch on maybe a little bit more of a trading strategy, but certainly want to talk about uh, the buy round structure and how you're setting up for that, especially if you don't have a gold subscription. Uh, you're going to have to do a touch more manual work. And I'm sure there's probably a spreadsheet out there. It's a great community, the Supercoach community. There's so much content so much help and assistance. So certainly I would say you don't yeah, you don't have to follow me on Twitter, but there are a whole bunch of people that are worth following on Twitter. The guys from Jock Reynolds, uh, Lech Dog Demo and Patch, the guys from uh, Dr. Supercoach. I'm going to get this wrong, but I think it's Chizo and Pistol and JB. Uh, the guys from Supercoach Elites, uh, who have we got? I'm going to get this wrong. Bretta, Corey, and Bumps. All those guys, plus Fantasy Freako, and there's a whole bunch of great 
content producers out there. So jump on there. You'll be able to get as much as much info as you need. That's it from me. Have a good evening. I'm going to go jump on and play some video games. I think it's Apex time. Hopefully this isn't too long. I don't even know how long. It's probably been, oh God, it's probably like 25 minutes. All right, hit me up. I'm on the socials. I always forget to do this. On Facebook, I think it's just locked in, Supercoach Podcast. On Twitter, I think it's, (laughs) I'm terrible. I think it's at in Supercoach. Uh, And on Instagram as well, locked underscore in underscore SE. I think that's it. And then all my, I only host the podcast on on Wooshka. I need to maybe change that up. I don't know, somebody can give me a hand, tell me uh, which platforms are, are good to upload on. I seem to be on like, I listen to ones on Podbean, on SoundCloud, on on Spotify, on Apple. Oh man, they're everywhere. All right, you have a good Monday, have a good week, and uh, I'll think of something entertaining and interesting for the next podcast. I don't feel like there are any real bad jokes in this one either, so... I'll work on my jokes. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. All right, night.